0: story show listeners jeremy here along with
1: angie and shane
0: and uh yeah we are uh, in season four of the story show podcast getting set for our next show which is coming up july 25th at the Marion ross performing arts center right here in albert lee and um yeah so angie what are you what are you looking forward to with this next story show
1: i'm looking forward to passion passion fire passion I don't know what else
2: yeah well it's um I got two adjectives I'm so glad we didn't pick a theme (laughs) entitled like show your passion yeah right because I feel like we could have got a completely different set of stories out of it which also might be fun we
1: call that the story show after dark
0: (laughs) (laughs) this is an idea that Shane and Angie been throwing around
1: (laughs) it involves beer it does (laughs) Click and like and comment on this podcast if you agree with Shane and I.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm all for it. You know, we just have to work out the details. So, um, (laughs) but this next one, uh, it is, you know, stories about finding your passion. So. Yeah. And
1: it's inspired by the scholarship, which is the Ori Jurley, um, scholarship, which they go to students at Oberlin High School every year.
0: Yep. Typically students who are involved in both sports and fine arts, I Mm -hmm. think, uh, Ori was a, a coach. He actually played Division I basketball back in the day at St. Bonaventure and uh, also a very good violinist. And so it's in his memory. And uh, the theme of the show is uh, light my fire. And so we gotten a variety of stories here. So uh, we're looking forward forward to that. The story we're going to be sharing for today's podcast, however, is from January Story Show. And it's called Animals, A Love Story by Jim Haney. And uh, did you have Jim as a teacher?
1: I did. All right.
0: All right. (laughs) So Jim teaches at Albert Lee High School, has for a long time.
1: Yeah. Jim is probably the most theatrical teacher I've ever had. He performed five, six times a day. Like, (laughs) it was amazing. And, like, it was amazing as a student, but as a teacher now, like more amazing. Like I can appreciate the energy and the time it takes to create his level of enthusiasm and, and interest and and it it works cuz the kids love it. Like still, I mean, he's what 20 some years
0: 20 some years in. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. And they're he's... still
1: eating it up. So good for him.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't lecture a lot and when I teach and on days when I do, you know, kind of lead the class and am the center of the attention the whole time. It's exhausting, and uh, and I'm not nearly as good at it. As he is, so, Shane, maybe you can relate. But you're now, you only work one day a I week only, as a as pastor. As a pastor, I yeah. only
2: work one yeah. day a week. A Lutheran pastor, we only work the one day, and just for an hour, really, hour and a half maybe. And uh, of that, you're wiped six out. Six minutes. I'm wiped out. I mean. <laughs> I nap for the rest of the day, and then for the week I mostly just lay low. No, that's not true at all. Oh, I
1: was gonna say I, I figured you were the extrovert of the group, but it sounds like you might. Oh be no, the I'm most a total introvert. I, uh, I'm the total extrovert. <laughs> I was like, yeah, person.
0: That's why we brought him in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Jim's story is about just um, various pets that he's had over the years and a, a couple of kind of centers around a, a road trip gone wrong but one of one of the pets he had uh, was a cat named Ms. de mm-hmm. which came from a show from the 80s moonlighting sorry starring, starring sybil shepherd and bruce willis and i think i was in eighth grade seventh or eighth grade when when moonlighting hit and i loved it do you guys remember that show i loved it yeah yeah I did not.
2: We did not watch it at our house, oh. so I'm out of this. Oof. But I do love was, 80s TV shows in general. Yeah.
1: Well, it was just, the thing about Mulaney, it was the original Will They Won't They. Like, right. it had huge ratings, okay. and then the minute that they smooched... We'll say. Right. Then right. Uh, the Raidens just tanked and never came back. So yeah. it sort of set the tone for like never let your lead characters actually get together because the <laughs> yeah. show's over. Your show's <laughs> right. done. Yeah. So right. that's really what it's famous for is the sort of like screenwriting. It's
0: true. It's true. I mean, and with we're not in the 80s anymore, but in The Office, if Jim and Pam would have gotten together earlier and it mm-hmm. had it not been an ensemble cast, that would have taken a lot away from the show, right? Oh, for mm-hmm. sure. 100%. Yeah. So what were some of your favorite shows from the 80s?
2: Oh, Cosby Show was the show (laughs) that we would watch. Unless, of course, we were at somebody's house who didn't like it. (laughs) Who who would (laughs) that be? Grandpa was not a fan of the Cosby (laughs) Show.
1: (laughs) Now it turns out no one is. Yeah, yeah,
2: no. (laughs) The original message of the Cosby Show and a lot of, like, facts of life and um, all of those kinds of shows that are based on Family value, family ties,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, golden like what was the silver spoons? Mm-hmm. You know, they're all based on this idea of like family being together, and it Actually, all sums up really well in the end. I like most the- of the
1: shows in the 80s didn't have moms.
2: Really? Yeah. Silver spoons. Cosby
1: shows did, but yeah. If you start listing them, most of them don't have
2: moms. But she wasn't as prominent as Dad was in that show, right? What? <laughs> Do you think she's I don't? A, she's they, pretty. Prominent, I think they you know? really
1: wanted to hit home the like nuclear family, yeah, totally yeah, that's true. normal. Yeah. Um, with that show, so I don't think they played with any I tropes. Never but that, the yeah, mom absence. Yeah. Huh.
0: Interesting. Well, that's
1: when divorce rates spiked. So there was this sort of like collective fear of like the nuclear family being sure undermined. So that's mom's just got wiped out from TV shows in the <laughs> <80s>. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So sad. Yeah, full house, kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, hey. <let's> <laughs> Jeez, thanks for bringing us down this
2: one. Yeah. Yeah. When really, You're single welcome. moms are the heroes of the world, Yeah, right? Fuller
1: House, <laughs> right. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: That only took 20 years to wreck it up.
0: Yeah, um, so Shane, you... I don't even know if it totally got out of your mouth, but a few minutes ago you mentioned Golden Girls when you were listing off. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has had a crazy resurgence. Like, I'm talking more about young people than adults. My 13-year-old daughter and her friends love the Golden Girls. I've got nephews who are like 13 and 15... Who watch the golden girls what's they're, up with that they're catty yeah you know they're smart
2: mouth mm-hmm. they cling together you know they all have these kind of independent but together lives they're mm-hmm. they're gay yeah. icons as far as i know oh, right 100 and uh I, it is really interesting how some of those shows are coming back now i never watched shows that my parents watched like bonanza and those was like would watch them if dad was watching them but now our kids are watching shows that we really clung to like full house golden girls those things well of i think
0: things. a part of i think a part of that is you know those shows from the 60s still had it's like watching movies from the 50s and 60s a lot of them still have this theatrical feel right? mm. it's like it doesn't feel so natural you know and then the black and white is a problem too but the 80s i mean other than the fashion and the and and the square screen right um, it's uh, it, not not so different I guess or as my kids call them those bars on the side of the yeah. <laughs> or every time
1: someone walked into a room on a sitcom everyone would clap right, oh. Oh. right. Oh. So, I don't watch
0: uh, modern sitcoms much Is, are the laugh tracks still there
1: yeah um, but they're more on the like your big Bang theories and like your real network sitcom okay. things yeah. okay
0: interesting yeah so anyway um you know, Jim named his his cat after Ms. DePesto, and uh, she was an interesting character. And uh, I think you'll find this story interesting. This one is great because when we review stories, we always like to have a, a combination of serious and and humorous, right? And this one was was funny when you're reading it on the page, but not nearly as funny that what it, as it was when it was performed. Oh. Would you agree? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, h- and people were rolling. Yeah, so. Um, think you'll enjoy it. So here it is, Animals, A Love Story by Jim Haney. Jim is a die-hard Minnesota Viking fan, and he has had his heart broken more times than he can remember. (laughs) He is from North Dakota and has been ridiculed for years over his devotion to a state where no one lives. He is the proud owner of an English Springer Spaniel, a beagle, and now a guinea pig named Brenda. <laughs> Brenda is named after a contestant on America's Top bo- Top Model, excuse me. <laughs> and although I've never noticed, it says here that he's bald.
3: Right there, baby. Right there.
0: Animals, a love
3: story by Jim Haney. So if you're wondering, the Rams are ahead of the Cowboys. The Wild are tied with the Red Wings. And uh, hey, the Timberwolves are actually ahead by 2 So, if you're wondering. (laughs) I was about 10 years old when I was allowed to have a black lab named Woody. I had no idea how to train this dog. And every day, I was on my hands and knees cleaning the latest mess that Woody had caused. My parents finally said, enough was enough. And I had to give away my dog. That I never learned how to train. A lady took him to Colorado, where he would be able to run and changed his name to Dakota. I never saw my dog again. I've had two cats in my lifetime Tinkerbell and Ms. DePesto. Tinkerbell was a consolation prize for sending Woody to Colorado. <laughs> she was a great cat and brought me endless joy and comfort to my brothers and me. She frolicked in a large field near my home in Mandan, North Dakota. And one day, she never came home. The winter descended upon Mandan. And it wasn't for four or five months later that we found her dead in a construction site, probably hit by a car. It was the first time I ever felt loss. I adopted Ms. DePesto during the loneliest period of my life. I had just started my teaching career in 1986 in Jamestown, North Dakota. My girlfriend, wife now, Lisa, had taken a job in Albert Lee and my immediate family was 100 miles away. And Jamestown was not the culture center, cultural center of the universe. <laughs> Fellow social studies teacher, Dean Kraft, knew I was struggling with loneliness and suggested a cat might help. His cat, Martina, was pregnant and I could have one of the kittens. Ms. DePesto was born on April 15, 1986, and a relationship was born between a lonely North Dakota boy and a black cat with a touch of white on her chest. Her name, Ms. DePesto, came from my fa- favorite 1980s television show, Moonlighting, starring a young Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd. About a Los Angeles private detective agency, the two ran. The agency's receptionist was Agnes DePesto played by Elise Beasley. Her trademark was that she was always answering the phone with rhyme, which was cute and clever and hilarious. Hello, Blue Moon Detective Agency. We're here to unravel events that might baffle, which we will figure out and leave you with no doubt. So tell us what's wrong. It won't take us long. We do our work well. You don't need to yell. Ms. DePesto was an homage to the joy Moonlighting brought me every Tuesday night. <laughs> Ms. Pesto was a wonderful companion, taking away my loneliness as I only had someone to come home to and talk to. Like most cats, she wasn't much of a conversationalist, but we enjoyed watching Moonlighting together, and she would share some of the most important moments of my life. The joy of two World Series championships by the Minnesota Twins, my first coaching victories and my marriage proposal to Lisa. She even welcomed both of our children home when they were born. When Ms. DePesto passed, she gave me the opportunity to teach my children about love and loss and explore the tough questions about death and dying. After Ms. DePesto, our kids wanted a dog. Today, we are the proud owners of two. Fonzie, a hyperactive, attention-seeking English Springer Spaniel who's named after Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days. His black and white coat makes him look like he's wearing a little leather jacket, just like the Fonz did. The other dog is Nick, a beagle, a shelter dog we adopted 10 years ago. 13 pounds of skin and bones when we adopted him on December 23rd. Nick is our Christmas dog. And now he is a happy, rotund 20 pounds. (laughs) These two dogs work in unison to hatch evil plots against the Haney clan. (laughs) Nick the evil genius and Fonzie the brawn. They have worked their magic to steal food many times. Such as when Nick distracted my son Ben by getting him to bend down pet Nick while Fonzie swooped in like a screaming eagle and snatched a T-bone steak that Ben was about to eat. (laughs) Fonzie's newest trick is to take a newspaper to the door to be let out. It looks like an old man walking into the bathroom to relieve himself. (laughs) Nick howls as only a hound can at every car that drives by. They're not well-trained dogs, but they're my dogs and I love them unconditionally. A few years ago, we brought Nick and Fonzie along to Alexandria, Minnesota for Thanksgiving dinner at my mother-in-law's. My kids had not seen Nick and Fonzie for some time as they were grown and living in their own in Fargo and Grand Forks. I thought it would be a good idea for Nick and Fonzie to get out and see new people and a new place. I was wrong. Not only did Nick hop on the dining room table to help himself with some delicious cranberries, turkey, and stuffing, but he developed acute stomach distress. (laughs) I think you know what I mean. It was to be explosions via the backside. We departed for Albert Lee on Sunday afternoon and were about one hour into our trip home when we heard Nick Make kind of a moaning sound. And then it happened. Oh, the humanity! It was the explosion from hell! Fecal matter covered the back seat. Lisa was trying to take care of Nick. Fonzie was walking through the explosive mess. Lisa screamed at me, pull over, pull over, pull over! By the time we finally found an exit, Lisa was still hysterical. The car, which we were selling to my son a few weeks later, was covered with the scent of defeat. It was awful. We bought trash bags and car air fresheners just to make it home. The the Haney family has renamed the exit we got off by St. Cloud the Nick Explosion Exit. (laughs) So why do we put up with so much from our pets? The answer is simple, unconditional love. Who places their muzzle on your lap, wanting attention? Who wags their tail when you speak? Who rubs against your pant leg, craving to be touched? Who charges the door when you arrive from work, jumping in excitement that you have made it home again? (laughs) Who lays with you when you are sick? Who sleeps right next to you, providing comfort and joy? The answer is simple, your pet. As you think about the pet that made an impact on your life, are your memories negative or positive? My guess is that they're positive. And as you think about that pet, you get a Grinch-like smile on your face for all the joy that that pet has brought to you. This is what animals are for. They love you for who you are. Animals are loyal. No matter what you've done or how you feel, animals are there to show you that you are important to them and that they are important to you. They are sad when you are sad. They are happy when you are happy. And when they pass, You hurt because part of your family has left. Woody, Tinkerbell, Ms. DePesto, Fonzie, Nick, and so many others. Our lives would never be the same without you. We love you.
0: The Give Me Shelter Story Show was produced by Angie Zoller Barker and me, Jeremy Corey Greenis. Check out our website at thestoryshow.org and if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, you can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Just search for The Story Show in quotes and you'll find us. Thanks.